Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. As a community, we are learning the way of Jesus and serving our city. Redemption Hill is kind of different. We are a collective of micro churches that gather together on Sundays to grow and connect and worship. So don't wait anymore. Join us Sundays at Boise Friends Church in the gym at 10.30 a.m. and get connected to the community you need in this season of your life. All the details you need are at redemptionboise.org. Up next is the training and teaching time from this week's gathering. Stay tuned after the sermon for more info on how to get connected. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, I'm Bob. I'm one of the elders of our community, part of the teaching team. Last week, Pastor Robert, who is away this weekend, took us through the first part of the first chapter of the New Testament book of Ephesians, which we're going to be spending some time in over the next few weeks. And this morning, we're going to be finishing up chapter one. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app or Whatever it is that you use, find Ephesians chapter 1 about halfway through the New Testament. And while you do that, I want to ask a non-rhetorical question. I really, I actually want to hear your answers. And the question is this, what's the best advice that you ever received? I don't, I don't, we don't need to hear the whole story or even what you did with it. Just shout it out, you know, buy low, sell high. Okay, there's one. What's the best advice you ever received? A job worth doing is worth doing well. Good, yes. A job worth doing is worth doing well. I bet you heard that when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. My dad. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, the way that I heard that is uh, happiness is expectations divided by reality. And the only part of that that you can control is that expectations. So, yeah. What else? Lower everybody else's. Else yes. Yes, I had, a, I had to do this teaching thing this week, and uh, the, my friend who was introducing me was like, oh, yeah, here's Bob, and he's got all this great wi- wisdom and everything. And I'm like, dude, lower the bar. Lower. Yes, I'm sorry. Somebody else over here had something. Life isn't fair. Yes, just recognize that right away. Dr. Eric. <laughs> let go, let God. We had that on a little uh, magnet, I think, on our, on our uh, refrigerator when I was growing up. Any other ones? Good advice that you heard? Just keep showing up. Yeah, that's uh, Woody Allen. Life is 90% just showing up. Yeah. Any others? All right, a little bit different question then. What's the best news that you ever received? (laughs) (laughs) He seems nonplussed, but yes, yes. All right, best news you ever got? Paid in full, nice. What else? Really, there's a distinct... You are worthy. worthy. That's good. I was going to say there's a distinct lack of good news in the crowd, but... The cancer is gone. gone. Yes. What else? 
Snow day. <laughs> Does anyone else still have this as an adult, even if you're working from home, if like the snow starts falling and you look out the window and you think, you just have this moment of like, I guess I don't have to work today. <laughs> I still have that. Snow day is good news. What else? Anything? All right, well, last question then. And this one's kind of weird. What's, what's the difference between good advice and good news? Good advice is something you, you got to do something with it, yeah. What else? Does that capture it? Yeah. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah. It's what is. Yes. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Good news is like, no, it is. Yeah. Can I tell you guys one of my biggest pet peeves? I mean, can I, am I allowed to be transparent and vulnerable up here? Yeah. I used to love getting fortune cookies with, you know, with the Chinese food or with the Panda Express or whatever. And now they just make me angry. <laughs> and the reason is, is that over the years, somewhere, they changed. When I was a kid, they really were fortune cookies. Like, you'd open it up and it will say, you will soon go on an exciting adventure or great riches lie ahead, romance will blossom where least expected. You know, see, those were fortunes, right? Now, uh, you know, they, they told you what was going to happen, and now the cookies no longer tell you the future. They just give you advice, or worse, just tired aphorisms, like, today it's up to you to create the peacefulness you long for. Oh, thanks, cookie. <laughs> Stop wishing, start doing. Oh, jeez, come on, cookie, <laughs> give me a break. Or even worse, you are very talented in many ways. Listen, I do not need the cookie to compliment me. <laughs> right? I want the cookie, I, I don't want the cookie to give me advice. I don't want it to say nice things to me. I want the cookie to tell me the future. Is that too much to ask? So what does all this have to do with Ephesians? Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. God's purpose was that, and Paul is writing as a, as a Jewish person who has come to believe in Jesus. He's saying God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, he's writing to a church that's largely made up of non-Jewish folk, he says, now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Last week, we walked through the beginning part of this chapter and saw that God has had a plan from the beginning. And that plan was that through Jesus, all of creation would be rescued from the ravages of sin and death and be renewed. God is about creating a redeemed community living in a renewed creation in relationship with himself. 
And even though that plan was always meant to fold in anyone who wanted it, it started with one family when God told Abraham that through his family, through his line, the whole world would be blessed. And it carried on to Abraham's larger family, the nation of Israel, whom God blessed to be a blessing to the world. And eventually it came down to that promised descendant of Abraham, of David, Jesus. And here's the good news. God is rescuing and renewing all of creation through the work of Jesus on our behalf. The good news is you are invited to that party, to the kingdom of love and peace and restoration that God is building. So where do the fortune cookies come in? Well, for many people, whether it's because how they were raised or um, forget, you guys got to, I, I picked the wrong cup today. This is, it's, it's, it's not a very humble look uh, for preaching, but uh, anyway. Um, for many people, whether it's because of, of just how you were raised or what you were taught or even just what makes sense to them, Christianity is good advice. You know, it's, it's accept Jesus so that when you die, dot, 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 sign on with Jesus and live your best life now, right? Or maybe the most obnoxious summation of Christianity as advice, get right or get left, And here's the thing, I mean, that, that would be, all of it, pretty good advice if it related in any way, shape, or form to what God is doing in the world, but it doesn't. Jesus does not come to us with good advice. He comes to us with good news, and the difference is that advice is about what I need to do, what I need to do to get the desired results that I'm looking for or the reward that I want. Good news is about what has already been done and what that means for me now and into the future. Do you see the difference? Paul says it is God who has this amazing plan to rescue and renew all of creation that saves you. He's going to unpack that thought later in Ephesians. But he's saying it's not you, it's him. And please, I mean, I don't want to be reductionistic. It's not, when, when we say saves you, everybody has a, kind of, we have these built-in ideas of what that might mean. It's not saves you from hell, but let me finish that thought. <laughs> it is that we are saved from a future without God. But it's also that we are saved from so much more, from death. There's a resurrection we're saved from a pointless existence. We're saved from the weight of having to justify ourselves and somehow earn our place in this world or earn God's love, his favor, his approval. We're saved from having to earn anything. Paul says that for those who say yes to God, yes to Jesus, yes to what God is doing in the world, God saves you, identifies you as his own in Christ, gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit to guide and empower you, to grow you, to reshape you, to make you who he designed you to be, someone who reflects his character 
someone who looks like Jesus. And how much better is that than ask Jesus into your heart so that when you die? How much fuller and richer is that vision than pray this prayer so that someday Look at verse 14. Paul says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. This isn't, it's not a self-improvement plan. I mean, Christianity is not about taking reasonably good people and making them into slightly better people. That's, that's not it. It's not do these things and you should get these results. There's a guarantee here. You are adopted into the family, included in the community, written into the will, and there's a down payment, God says. It's my spirit that I give to you to fill you, to indwell you. And some people stumble over a sentiment like, he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. To some ears, um, how can I put this? It sounds like God might be a little thirsty, a little needy, like he's out there fishing for compliments, looking for somebody to say something nice about him. But no, that is not it at all. And without going into this too deeply, I mean, we could spend the whole morning just on this, but God wants our worship, not for his sake, but for ours. He doesn't need us to worship and praise him, but he knows that we need. He knows that we become what we worship. Whatever we set our hearts on is what begins to shape us, our character, our choices, even our desires. And sometimes it's an abstract thing, like success. Right? Set your heart on success, and soon all of life begins to be filtered through that lens. What will bring me more success? What will show that I have success? How do I become even more successful? All your decisions, your choices, Everything gets filtered through that lens. Sometimes what we set our hearts on becomes personified, right? We pick a hero. We even have a phrase for it. We idolize someone. We try to become like them. We want what they have, so we strive to emulate them. God wants us to worship him, not because he needs our worship, but because he knows that we will worship something. And whatever we worship will form and shape us. And because he knows that he is the only thing in the universe that we can worship, that we can set our hearts on, that will form us in the right way, that will make us who we were meant to be. Now we could say amen and end right there, but... Paul draws this amazing picture for the church in Ephesus and by extension for us, and then he makes it more personal. I mean, we could spend weeks just in the rest of this chapter, but we won't do that. I just want to highlight a few things. Let's read the rest of chapter 
uh, of the chapter, verses 15 through 23. Paul says, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he, Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. What's the gist of what Paul is asking of God? He says, this is my prayer for you. And I think if I had to sum it up, it's that we would grow up in regard to our understanding and our application of all that, has, of all that God has given to us by growing in our knowledge of who God is and what he's doing. That we would grow up in our understanding and our application of what God has given to us by growing in our knowledge of who God is and what he's doing. That we'd be able to find and, and understand our place within the great narrative of love and redemption in the story the plot of this drama of what God is doing in this world. Paul doesn't pray that we would all have these amazing spiritual experiences, right? He doesn't pray that God would give us new revelation. He prays that we will be given a heart and mind that can understand and appropriate what Christ has already done, what we've already been given that the lights will go on in our brains so we can know God and understand the reality of what he's doing and what it means to join him in what he's doing. And he gives us an idea of what growing or growing up in this way looks like. Look at verse 18. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Growing up in Christ means being rooted in hope. Why do our hearts need to be flooded with light? I mean, that it's kind of a rhetorical question, but let me just say this. If ever there was a time when life felt dark, and it seemed like there's little to no hope on the horizon, at least in recent generations, this is it, right? And sometimes it's just the, the sameness of it, day in and day out. 
if all you do is watch the news for signs of, of light, signs of hope, I have a feeling you're going to be pretty disappointed because, unfortunately, hope is not what they are selling. Instead, Paul says we already have a confident hope, and his prayer is that the light would break through the darkness around us and we'd finally understand the hope that we already have. When uh, my beautiful wife Amy back there and I were dating, uh, to, to win and woo each other, um, I pretended to like hiking, and she pretended to like movies. And over the years, we've kind of dropped those pretenses. <laughs> and so now she goes on hikes with, with friends, and uh, our youngest daughter Josie is, has become my movie buddy. Right? She goes with me to see the superhero movies, to watch the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, so that Amy doesn't have to. Right? And not too long ago, I had to explain the concept of plot immunity to Josie so that she wouldn't get too anxious when the hero got into a tough spot. <laughs> I had to tell her, listen, I said, don't worry. The main character is in a tough spot. It looks pretty dark right now but there are still six episodes of this series left. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that they're going to get out of this. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you first realize that plot immunity exists, uh, it, it takes a little bit of the anxiousness out of, out of watching stuff like that. And believe it or not, the same thing holds true for life. If all we do is focus on the headlines, our current problems, the seemingly insurmountable challenges that I have in my life right now, of course I will be anxious and afraid. How could I not be? But here's the thing. Jesus defeated death in the resurrection, and the good news is that that victory also belongs to anyone who follows him, who is in him. That same resurrection, a resurrected life in a renewed creation, that's the promise. That's the sure and certain end of the story for everyone in Jesus. The media's headlines will always be saturated with messages of death. Online, every day, you will read about bombings, stabbings, shootings, pandemics, accidents, death. To a world that does not have a resurrection hope, death is king. But the message of the good news, the hope of those in Christ is always life is the final word because Jesus is king. Now, that doesn't take away from the reality of the pain that we experience now. I'm not saying that pain is not real, that challenges, the difficulties are not real. They are. But the confident hope we have is that whatever we are facing, it is not the end of the story. COVID is not the end of the story. Old age is not the end. Cancer, divorce, bankruptcy, depression, loss, grief, those will never be the end 
the last word of our story, because of what Jesus has done and now invites us into, we can go through all of those things with a confident hope. As Paul says elsewhere in the New Testament, we still grieve, but not like those without hope. Our grief is different. It's transformed. Our experience of disease, of death, of setbacks, it is different. It is transformed. Because we know it does not get the last word. And there is power in living in that way. Look at verses 19 and 20. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The greatest display of power the world has ever seen took place when God raised Jesus from the dead. And at the heart of this pastoral prayer for the church and for you is a longing that we will come to know that same power, the power that resurrected Jesus and will someday restore all of creation, that will set all things right, and through the Spirit of God be energized in how we live our lives that we would be transformed. And I know that some of us here today need God's power in our life right now. We need a sense of that hope. There are in this community, there are mothers who are exhausted. There are parents who can't face another season of school at home. There are those who have addictions that need strength just to make it through the day. Marriages that are struggling or falling apart. Some who are unsure of what the future holds. Some dealing with loss and grief and the good news is that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is somehow in some way able to transform how we walk through all of that this is the power that will bring about the redemption and restoration of our broken world in time, and it's the power that can bring restoration and redemption into our lives. It's the power that has put marriages in this room back together. It's the power that is healing broken people, that's giving value to lives that didn't know that they were valued. God's plan is to fill the world with the goodness of his love in Christ, and how he will do that is to fill communities like this with the goodness of his love in Christ, and how he will do that is to fill individuals like you and me in communities like this with the goodness of his love in Christ. If you are here and this is 
new to you. You are searching, you are skeptical, you have questions. The invitation this morning is to keep searching, to keep asking, to explore who Jesus is and what he is offering in the context of a community like this where we are not blind to the challenges of life, but choose to look at those challenges through the lens of hope. And if you are here and you do consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the challenge is to grow, to grow up in your knowledge of God, of Jesus, of who he is and what he is doing in this world and what he wants to do in your life, how he wants to remake and reshape you into that person you were meant to be. Paul never imagines that all Christians will automatically be able to see this and and live in it. It will take, as he says in verse 17, a, a a fresh gift of, of wisdom, of really thinking, working it out, leaning on God, listening to what he says, coming to see things that people don't normally see. It's the work of God's spirit in our lives as we continue to say yes to him day after day after day. And I want to invite you during these next couple minutes as we sing to come to this table it is not set as grandly as I wish it could be because of COVID. I miss the bread, I miss the cup, but we have here the symbols of what Christ has done for us. This meal that we call communion where we take this, this bread, this juice, or this wine, symbols of Christ's body and blood, and we take them as a way of saying, what God is offering me in Jesus, I want. I need. So if you're here today and you want the hope, the resurrection life that we've talked about, then this is for you. Come and receive. And as you do, here's my challenge to you. Pray, God, I need your resurrection power in my life in this area. I need it as I deal with teenagers. I need it to love my spouse as he or she deserves to be loved. I need it just to get out of bed in the morning. God, I need the power that brought Jesus back from the dead to bring something alive in me. Would you pray with me? Father God, would you grow us up in our understanding of the hope that we have. Would you help us to recognize our incredible value to you? Would you quiet the voices that tell us we are not worth much, that we need to earn your love and acceptance? God, we ask that you would fill our lives and fill this community with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and that you will give us strength to faithfully follow you out into our world and be voices and instruments of hope in a world and to people that desperately need it. Amen. Thanks for listening to our weekly podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get them in your podcast feed. You can find ways to connect with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection. 
fill out the form for a free gift from us. We care about you and want to help you find your way back to God. Follow at Redemption Boise on Instagram for regular encouragement.